Hi there, and welcome to the first JersNet podcast of 2019. Hi there, and welcome to the very first edition of the JersNet Weekly Podcast of 2019. We've been away, for, it seems like we've been away forever uh, because of the, the, the winter break, obviously, and we had some technical issues last week, so we couldn't get a pod out last week. But we're back this week. Uh, we'll have a wee look at the, the game on Sunday against Livingston and a, and a wee chat about various other bits and bobs that are happening uh, in and around Rangers at the moment. Uh, so joining me tonight on the, 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 the podcast is Christine Somerville. How are you, Christine? Um, it's Colin, thank you very much. Uh, we should enlighten listeners that you were late because you were watching Faulty Towers. I was, yes. <laughs> <laughs> was well, Manuel on it? Was, this, was, was Manuel there? Oh, they were all there. They were all, all there. there. It, was, it was a thing looking back at the whole um, series and John please picking out his favourite moments. I'm going to be slightly controversial here. I think it's quite overrated, Faulty Towers. Really? Oh, well, Aye. there we go. We can't all have the same taste as long as we as long as we all support the same football. Team. Yeah, that's all. That's all that matters. As long as we support the same team, yes, yes. Uh, and also joining us tonight is John McCallum. How are you doing, John? I'm well, Colin. I'm well. Thanks very much. I'm better tonight than I was on Friday. Uh, what's your views on Faulty Towers? I- I'm just hoping it's not an analogy for tonight's pod. <laughs> well, it kind of feels like that. <laughs> <laughs> Kind of feels like amateur hour at the minute, but I'm sure it's all a bit ring rusty trying to get back into it because we've been away for ages. You know what I mean? Yeah. It feels like we've been away. Technology's moved on. It has, aye, aye. You know what I mean? Uh, the Brexit's nearly happening now. That's how long we've been away. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, right, we'll get right into it and we'll look at the game on Sunday. I, for one, was quite nervous about it. You know, we've, we'd struggled there earlier this season. We, we obviously got beat there earlier on this season. I was looking at a start on Sunday. We've only won there twice in the last eight appearances there, so obviously a lot to be worried about. But hey, it went well. It went very well. Three 0 win, uh, making up for for Wednesday's uh, disappointing result with Kilmarnock, which we'll talk about a wee bit later on. John, I was quite happy with the performance. I was delighted with the performance. Um, certainly following the Kilmarnock game. Um, yeah, it was it was a it was a great performance. We could have scored six. Um, if you remember, uh, Morales had a couple of chances. Uh, yeah. McCrory had a very good chance fairly early on in the match. Uh, I, I didn't think Livingston really troubled us too much uh, until towards the end. So I was delighted. It's a it's been a hard place for a lot of teams this season. Um, Livingston, I think to be fair to them, have had a decent season, have had a decent start to the season. I was delighted. I thought we went about it the right way. I thought our focus was was on, and I was pleased with the the, the team he picked as well. Well. The, the, Coming into the McCrory chance, I think he he should have scored that. I mean, that was a fairly easy chance. I also think Morelos, the one he hit the post, I, I thought he had, I thought he could have taken a touch and set himself before he hit that. Some ball for Candias. Wasn't it just? I thought it had a really, really good game. I, I thought he was outstanding on Sunday. So, Christine, the lineup. how did you feel about the, the lineup when you seen it? Obviously, there was issues at Kilmarnock. You know, Stevie G's, he, he sort of changed the... The lineup and the formation to sort of accommodate Stephen Davis and uh, Jermaine Defoe went back to his usual sort of four-three-three on Sunday. I thought it worked. It it did work. Um, obviously, didn't work. The changing the formation didn't work at Kilmarnock. 
unfortunately. But um, do you know something? I think, you know, he probably had to use Davis and Defoe, you know, such high profile uh, new signings. Um, he's maybe realised, no, well, that didn't work. So we'll go back and it did work. So, you know, hopefully he'll be able to use the entire squad, but, you know, sparingly. I don't think there's many players would be an automatic first pick, you know, team, you know, name on the, the sheet before anybody else. I thought Candias had a fan, fantastic game. I was surprised Morelos getting the man of the match, although he was yeah, good. But um, yeah, I thought Candias for me was definitely, um, was man of the match for me. I thought McCrory was good. Um thought Liam Kelly was exceptional. Um, <laughs> Is there any truth in the rumour he was in the Crown Bar on Sunday night? <laughs> but, um, no, I think it did work and I think maybe that's the way we, we need to go. But, do you know something? It's not worked in all our away games this year. So maybe he was, maybe he was right it took command to try something different, even though it didn't work. Uh, my, my worry about... I mean, I'm delighted we've signed Defoe and Davis. You know, I know they're, they're, they're slightly older. But my, my, my main worry about it is what it does to, you know, the formation. Because if he wants to get the two of them in there, then he, he will have to tinker with it. I think we saw on Wednesday at Kamalak when he goes two up front. I, I thought it took something off Morelos' game. He just didn't look at it. Whereas on, on Sunday there, it, although he, was, he didn't have as good a game as Candias, in my opinion, he was, he was far more involved looked far more at it. So that's my only problem, my only concern about the two players he's brought in is, you know, as he brought players in that are maybe going to give them problems in terms of formations and giving them game time and stuff like that. I just felt it was the wrong match to, to make that change. Uh, you know, Kamalako is one of the hardest games of the season just now. Yeah. So it was a strange match to choose to make that change. The team that had played so well against Celtic, the formation that had played so well against Celtic, I was really, I understand this clamour for to, to play Davis and Defoe, but I'm I'm I was still surprised that uh, that Gerard went for it. I, I genuinely thought both would start on the bench, and the team that finished against Celtic, with the exception of Goldson, would be the yeah. team that, that started. Um, I thought they deserved that, and I thought just to pick up on what Christine said, I thought Candias his performance on Sunday was as good as I've seen him play this season, and he's had a good season. Uh, I thought that was him saying, "I should have started." On, on Wednesday night and you're not going to drop me for the next match because look at my work rate look what I give that was the next point I was coming to McC uh, McCallum I was going to call you your second name I, 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 I can tell you're annoyed with me now for, for jumping ahead of you and getting called by the surname it's because I'm looking at the monitor because I'm looking at the screen that's what's coming up uh, but th that was that was the point I was coming to I kind of got the feeling from Morelos and Candias that you know I think obviously Morelos feels a little bit of threat towards his position now because Defoe's arrived and Candias, I don't think there's any coincidence there that he put in that performance, you know, when a new guy's turned up. And so th that's, a, that's a good side of it. You know, you've now got competition for places and I think Stephen Gerrard's a big believer in that. You know, you have to show me that you want to be in that team, you know, and that's how you get the best out of players. So for that side, yeah, I think you're right. I, I just worry about the formation, though. If, he's, if he does think, oh, I need to get the two of them in there in terms of the two strikers, you know, what, what sort of impact will that have? I don't think he will do that, to be honest, Colin. I think he'll stick with Morelis and 
but you know, if Morella's had to get an injury or something like that, I'd much rather have Defoe coming in than Lafferty, to be quite honest. I agree. I think Defoe coming off the bench, even for, you know, for the last 20 minutes of the game, last 15 minutes, that that's that's a great thing to have. That's tired defenders, and suddenly you've got this guy coming on who is both wise, but, but he's also fast. I mean, you saw he's got a nice touch. He's fast over the first five, five, ten yards. I think that's a great guy to have coming off your bench. Plus, I think we all know, you know, Manelis, he may get, he may pick up injuries. He'll definitely pick up bookings. So, you know, there will be a Defoe, there will be a need for Defoe to start some games. I, I think there's, see, when it comes to Morelos with the bookings and stuff, I, I think that's over-egged a wee bit, I must admit. I, I think the media make a lot of that, and I think the referees sort of pick up on it. And he's been, Don't get me wrong, he, he is on the edge, but I don't think it's as bad as people make out. One thing I will say about the signing of Defoe, and this is a sort of argument I've used, uh, you know, speaking with mates and all the rest of it, you know, two in, two out. We've got Reddy Big Sadiq, who was, you know, a cart horse. And we've got, we've, we've let the boy, who was a boy in the middle of the park for Liverpool, Najaria, the twirly boy. Two guys that were fairly ineffectual. I mean, Najaria had wee moments, but I mean, Sadiq was, you know, he was one of the players that made you think, how did you become a professional football player? Yeah. So, we've signed Davis, who obviously, it looks a wee bit off the pace at the moment, not fit, but, He's an improvement on Ajaria, and Defoe is a definite improvement on Sadiq. So it's two really good signings as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I mean, Daniel Defoe would be an improvement on Sadiq. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree with you entirely. Uh, the squad is better. And I think now the forwards and the midfielders will look at that bench and say, there's a player on that bench that can take my place. Whereas they probably didn't think that as much the first half of the se- the first half of the season. Yeah, yeah. And again, it comes back to that competition for places. Yeah, so people on the edge thinking, well, if I don't perform, I'm in trouble here. And I think Candice has maybe been one of those who's been fairly comfortable. You know, he's thought, well, I'm okay. The way the formation is, nine times out of ten, I'm going to start. Obviously, he missed out. He didn't start on on Wednesday, and then lo and behold, you get the best performance out of him all season uh, in, in the next game. Yeah. Christine, this, the second goal that came for Ryan Kent, it came at a good time, came at a vital point in the game. I thought, you know, I've heard lots of people say, that, you know, the first goal is fine, but the second goal is, is, is the big goal for Rangers. You know, because that, that's when teams really do open up. Came at a vital point and it came for a guy who obviously returned against Celtic and I think we've, we've seen in the last two games what we missed when Ryan Kent was out injured. No, I agree. And I think it would have been a... A fabulous goal if he had scored the one just before his he goal. Have he you know, have I yeah. thought that was going in, and um, but no, he makes a big difference. I, I wasn't sure at the start with him. I was like, oh, I don't know. He's, he reminded me a wee bit of Barry Mackay, um, who I felt was kind of up and down in a lot of games, but um, he certainly since, since the Celtic game. Um, not that we've played that much, but um, I mean, he, he had a great game that day and a great game yesterday. So I, I, I do like him. That's just whether we can keep him or not. I was reading a thing uh, with Klopp, um, you know, saying how the experience is going to do him, do him good. So I don't know whether, you know, we'll, we'll get the chance to sign him. 
Well, as as good as he's performed for Rangers, with all due respect to the guy, the way Liverpool are playing the now, you know, and it was the yeah. same with Sharia. You know, I, 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 those are two boys I can't see getting into that Liverpool side any time soon, no. if at all. So you would imagine if we can find the money, then there's a deal on for Kent, as far as I could see. Uh-huh. Hopefully. John, with the third goal, Morelos, there was a lot of talk after the game towards Gerrard about, you know, there's a couple of weeks to go until the transfer window. Now, my view is I think Rangers would be daft to let Morelos go in January unless they've got a really good uh, replacement lined up. I think he's he's playing the best football. He's, his career at Rangers at the moment, I think it would make more sense. I, I'm almost resigned to losing him in the summer, I have to be honest. I think Rangers would be foolish to let him go in, in January, considering I know we had the upset at Kilmarnock, and that's kind of knocked us back a wee bit in, in, in terms of keeping on the coattails of Celtic. But we are in this title fight at the moment, so surely you wouldn't sell your best your best striker. You would hope not. Uh, I think we're all. I think we all know that if a bid comes in that's high enough, we'll let him go. And whilst we might not be happy about it, I think we all accept it. There may be some discussion around what that bid is and how high a number that is, um, but I think we accept that that's that's where we are just now. And a team, you know, a, a, a team fighting relegation in the English Premier League or in, in Spain uh, or, or in one of the big leagues could very easily come in and and make us an offer that we would have to accept. And I think if we did accept it, I, I, we don't. There's not a ready-made replacement for. For Morales, um, I, I can't see us being able to bring in somebody uh, in, in the window that would do the job that he's done because he's, he's the best striker in Scotland just now. He's very important to our, our team. And even when he's not playing well, he he does enough. His work rate is such um, that, that he, he continues to more merit his place in the side. Um, so, yeah, it would be it would be really disappointing. I thought his goal on, on Sunday epitomised him. Uh, you know, he, he made the run... Uh, it was it was a tight angle. He'd missed a couple beforehand, but he kept his head up um, and he stuck it away. And yeah. you know, it was it was a tight tight angle as well. See when he went, he had it. I can't remember who was in the middle. There was someone in the middle. I think it might have been Arfield. I can't remember. But there was someone standing in the middle, and when he went, he had it at the angle he was at. Yeah, instead of cutting it back, you mean? <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. And, then, and then he scored it. So you you, you can't complain really. You know, uh, uh, but what would you consider a? Uh, an amount that Rangers could not knock back. You know, what, what sort of figure are we looking at here? Because we're hearing, uh, the comparison I'm making is, you know, Celtic have got Eduard and he's, what, £9 million? And all the stats tell you that Morelos is a better player. So that's your starting bid right there. You know, it, it can't be anything under £9 million, surely. Well, I think, that would dep- I, I think you have to be realistic about the, current financial difference between the two clubs and say, could Rangers as a club just now afford to turn down £9 million? You know, if you were the directors, if you'd put in personal money into the club, you know, you'd be be tossing and turning that night in your bed. Uh, I think you have to be realistic about that. Um, Do I think he's worth more than that in the current market? Yes, I absolutely do. Uh, Do I think he's worth more than that to to the to the team that comes in and buys him because I think wherever he goes he will score goals. Um, yes, he is. But does that mean that we would be in a position that we could turn down that kind of bid? 
I don't know, to be a brave director that turned that down. Uh, at the same time, I think if we accepted it, the fans would be unhappy. As you said yourself, you know, he's a better player than, um, than, than, than well, he's a better player than any other forward in Scotland just now. So um, when you see some of the signs that get made, uh, particularly in England, uh, guys you've never heard of moving for astronomical sums, yeah, uh, you know, you would be disappointed if it was if it was less than fifteen million. But I don't know. Uh, as I said, I'm not a director. It's, I haven't put in a personal guarantee. I don't have an awful lot of money in a club just now that still has, you know, it still has issues, particularly around um, merchandise and and that side of things. Ah, uh, it would be it would be uh, it would be brave director that said no to that kind of money. But I think I think the only thing about that, John, is that you know we've got to remember that all the directors are bears. Aye, they're fans as well. So I don't think any of them will want to see Morelos go. Um, and I think they've got plans in place, you know, for the money for the next few years uh, anyway. And uh, another thing as well, Christine, is surely they've made a decent amount of money out of the, the European run. Yeah. You know, and that's money that they would not have budgeted for at the start of the season. So is that maybe enough to give them the six-month cushion that they need just to hold off any bids for Morelos until the summer? I think he's, I think his contract is such that we could wait to the summer. Um, and you, obviously you all hope we will. My worry is that a bid comes in that's, that's, that's high enough to make the directors think um, but not as much as we could get. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I, but I, I, I think it would be foolish to let him go because, you know, the season that he's having, and he's faced a certain amount of stick in the past, and with, with some justification, but this season under Gerard, I think Gerard's been the first manager that's really got in his head and, and you know, and dragged the best out of him. And yeah. I think it would be a shame if he went. I, I think if we keep him at the end of the season, we've, we've got a wee, we've got a wee chance. Christina, I had to laugh. I don't know if you've seen it. Uh, obviously, you'll, uh, if you're the same as me, you know, after the game, you'll always have a wee squint on Twitter and see what's happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, and it's interesting that John's on the show tonight and we're talking about the BBC because he was on when we, we, we discussed the whole Rangers BBC situation. Did you see what they led on <laughs> when discussing the game? This, it was uh, despite the penalty. The penalty claim. <laughs> Livingston. What was that? What was that all about? Well, I mean, they're, not, they're not even trying to hide it. All you have to say is it's the BBC, can't you? I mean, it's so... I mean, I, I, sometimes, I try not to watch it, to be honest. Um, but I thought, I'll, I'll, I'll see what they say. Maybe they'll say something nice about Rangers this week, you know? I, I have to say, I actually found myself applauding them. <laughs> for finding something. <laughs> Find a negative in there. Well played, well played the BBC. Because <laughs> you're sitting there going, Rangers have won 3 nothing and a fairly routine win. You know, there's nothing, there's no controversy there. But no, apparently a penalty claim. A penalty claim. Nobody really claimed for it. Well, apart from Andy Walker said, what was it? Um, well, if you go down, you know, you've given the, the referee something to think about and he might give it and I said so it's alright to cheat Andy well, well he said that before he, he says, said that before yeah Yeah, strikers have the right to go down so down. Coming, coming from a strikers background myself I agree with but calling uh, <laughs> <laughs> an Andy Walker agree shocker <laughs> do I know something about Andy Walker this is a true story you know he called me a numpty live on air on Radio Clyde 
Congratulations. Was he the first person or the last person? No, it was the first person that done it live on air. <laughs> There's plenty of people done it in other stages of my life. <laughs> but it was because of something I wrote in the I wrote a, a piece in the, the program. Uh, it was a Ranger Celtic game. And I done a it was a sort of the, the, the thing I'd done in the Rangers programme was supposed to be a bit of a piss take. You know, it wasn't supposed to be serious. It was supposed to be fairly light-hearted. So I'd done a sort of... It was really about the time when Larson was there and, and Hartson and Sutton and all they guys when they were probably just getting the better of us, you know, under Martin O'Neill. Mm-hmm. So I sort of done this thing saying, uh, if only we were playing this team today. And, you know, it was like Carol Muggleton, you know, Anton Rogue. <laughs> all the absolute daddies, right? So the game, the game was at like it was the usual like lunchtime thing about twelve o'clock or something. So I came home after the game. I can't even mind the score to be honest with you. And I came home, and at about five o'clock, my phone started going mental. Just <laughs> <laughs> all my mates going, Andy Walker's having a go at you, your class. What? What are you talking about? So I called me a numpty because some Celtic fan phoned in and complained about me. So I, so me and Andy, we've got past. You know, history. <laughs> ah, right, okay. That's why you're sticking in with him. No, not at all. But I, I, I agree with him on the striker front if you get fouled. Because a lot of times if you don't go down, you don't get it. But anyway, back to the point in hand. I, I thought it could have been a penalty. But even if it was, you know, it's too much to it go. It was hardly changing the score. No, yeah. It was not making any impact in the game. And for yeah. a national broadcaster to lead with that as the main point of that game, uh, I thought it was quite embarrassing, but hey ho, it is what it is. Yeah, John, but you, you did, did you say you were at the Kilmarnock game on Wednesday? I had that pleasure, yes. Yeah, I just thought we, I thought we would we would wrap up this section of the show by just slightly going over what happened. <laughs> it's a, it's a funny one because at the time I was I was I was very excited about the match before it. Uh, I was I was. Quite excited when I saw the team, when I saw that he'd made the change. I thought, oh, this will be interesting. They've obviously been working on something over the last few weeks. And we started the game really well. Uh, we scored the goal. We were playing well. And I think, I mean, I'm not the first person to say this, but we obviously conceded a really soft goal, a goal from nowhere. And, and we went to pieces. From that point on, Colmarlock were the better team. They controlled the match. Um, they were they were dominant physically. Um, there's you know they've got they've got some football players in their team. Um, the the guy the fullback they've got um, he's played for Scotland. I forget his name just now. What's the fullback called? Come out fullback. Oh, I forget God. his name. Terrible. Yeah. Anyway, that, that boy yeah he's a good player. Uh, he's, you know I was I was very impressed with him. Um, as I said earlier, there was a guy uh, in midfield, uh, the number eight. I think he's their captain. I thought he ran the show from then on. I thought he he, he commanded the midfield from then on. Um, and they're, they're, they're a much better team than I think most of us give them credit for. They're not, you know, they're not world beaters, but they have a very good system and they play it and they play to their strengths. And, and what worried me a little bit was I thought that mentally they were stronger than us. I thought psychologically they, they, they got the upper hand and they kept it. Uh, and that, that's, that's a concern. Uh, and so I was very pleased with it, with the reaction on, um, you're very pleased with the reaction on Sunday because I, I wasn't sure how that would go. Um, and you said a thing earlier uh, about with Rangers that the second goal is the most important. Yeah, and I think you're right because a one 0 victory or a one 0 lead, you're just not confident the Rangers are going to see it out. And the other team know this as well. The other team know that about Rangers. They know there's a fragility to us, 
Um, and, and I guess that's what we got to work on. I guess that's the thing. Because actually, with hindsight, we were the better team on Wednesday in terms of chances we created, in terms of possession, uh, in terms of all those things. But Kilmarnock deserved the victory. Um, they, tactically, they were better. Well, I think, I mean, I don't think it was freezing. Uh, well, I, well, it has been. I'm actually, I am sitting in my kitchen now, and I'm very aware that it's cold outside. Let's put it that way. I kind of get a heat in my house at all. Well, it was much colder at Rugby Park <laughs> last Wednesday, I'll tell you. Oh, jeez, I haven't been that cold in years. Well, I think when it comes to Kilmarnock, you would have to say, you'd have to give a lot of the credit to, uh, you know, Stevie Clark. You know, what he's done since since he's came in has been nothing short of miraculous. You know, and a lot of it's to do with the system that he plays, but he's also what the players are buying into it. You know what I mean? Because it's, there's not a huge amount of difference in terms of the players that were there previously and the ones that he's got now. You know, and when you when you consider that they lost Greg Stewart in, in January, you would think that that would have given Rangers a boost. But it didn't quite work out like that. But it's, it all comes down to Joe Worrell. It's funny, Christine, that you were watching Faulty Towers before he came on the night because that was a that was a Manuel moment if ever I've seen one in my life. You know, when he picked up the ball. He's 30 yards for anybody, you know, and then five seconds later, it's one each. It was just unbelievable. You, you couldn't actually believe what you were watching. You're thinking, what? What, what happened there? I mean, it just was unbelievable. But there you go. And as, as John said, you know, since that moment, it was like... We were completely yeah, cut uh, out. Yeah, yeah. And you want to know, so it really worried me. It's, I kind of, the minute I meant one each, I started to feel that. I thought, oh, here we go. I, I started to doubt the mental strength of that team. And sure it was. So that, that's how it turned out. And so it was a soft second goal as well. Yeah. I, I was going to say, we've up Jordan Jones pre-contract now since he's... <laughs> just, <laughs> um, I was impressed with Jones. I thought he had a wee spell in the second half where he was very, very good. Uh, that's the first time I've, I've seen him up close uh, and, and I thought I was actually quite impressed with him. Um, he's a big lad. He's, he's a bigger guy than you realise. I, I, I kind of had him down as a kind of slight winger. But he's actually quite a powerful, quite powerfully built guy. Um, but I thought Macaulay got a bit of stick for his goal. I actually felt Macaulay, I didn't think Macaulay did much wrong. I thought Macaulay was right to, to, to kind of you know go with him but not dive in. He was 25 yards out. Uh, Macaulay was on a book and I, I didn't think there was any danger. And you know, somehow or other, he, he squeezes no, him in. I think McGregor should do better, but I also think, I think McCauley, in my opinion, was a wee bit guilty of standing off him a wee bit. I thought he could have closed the space a bit, a bit sooner. But uh, yeah, I agree with you and Jordan Jones. Hopefully, if he comes here, he'll, he'll sort of replicate that because I've, I've not seen a great amount of him. But when I have seen him, I, I think he looks a decent player. So overall, uh, it was a disappointing night. Um, but I think I do think we need to just stop and say okay we didn't play as well as we can we created enough chances we should have had a penalty I thought um, but we created enough chances that we should have scored did, the the B- did the BBC lead with that on the <laughs> uh, no, okay. I, I avoided so, <laughs> after the match they may well have done let's give them the benefit of the doubt no um, no I'm not going to no <laughs> Um, but uh, yeah you know on another night we would have scored two or three at the same time I still think Kamalos have to win I, I'm maybe contradicting myself a little bit here uh, it was very disappointing and it was very disappointing because the first game back after that Celtic match yeah. we played so well and we were all feeling like a corner had been turned and, and here it goes it's, it was a cul-de-sac 
Um, so uh, that's that's summed up the season. We, we, it's two steps forward, yeah, two steps back. Yeah. It's surprising, Christine, that we, we couldn't get the win because apparently we've got this all-powerful kit man who makes things happen left, right and centre. Yeah, Jimmy Bell. Yeah. yeah. Aye, controls the weather and controls yeah. everything. Well, maybe he just didn't, you know, have his, his magic Aye. wand oh, with huh. him um, on <laughs> Wednesday night. <laughs> what did you make of that, Shambles? I mean, the, the fact, again, going back to, you know, mainstream media sort of, the Daily Record, I think it was, ran the story that he was the driving force behind getting that game postponed. When, when, when you listen to the interview with Donald Finlay, it's obvious he's just, he's just taking a piss a wee bit. He's just having a laugh. Yeah, it was just the daftest story. Um, I think it sums up the, the the state of some of the sports supporting in this country. It, it was it was very strange. Um, anybody who who listened to that, how they could take it seriously, I don't know. Uh, I mean, it was it was daft, and I'm I'm delighted to see the club of of kind of helping Cowan Beef to get the game on um, because the forecast isn't great this week. No, um, no. I noticed, that, I noticed on social media today that they were they were showing photographs of the covers and the warm air underneath it and all the rest. Of it. That said, the the area of the park. Did you see the corner? Which, I saw the photographs. Yeah. I mean, if that has been, what has got the game postponed. It, it does seem a bit of farce, but yeah, I don't think it's got anything to do with Jimmy Bell. No, absolutely nothing. And neither did they. I don't think Donald Finlay thought that either. No, um, no I mean, it was just yeah. You know, we could we could do a whole show on, on on the state of the media just now, and I'm afraid that was just another example of, you know, that um, I don't know. I think they get they get 21 year olds to trail through the internet and find stories and stick them on the back page because it was just embarrassing. Right, moving on to the next part of the show, and we'll have a wee discussion about you know various bits and bobs. The January transfer window. There's a wee rumor about Tav going to Southampton. We're going to have a wee giggle at Neil Lennon <laughs> and the stuff going on at Hibs at the moment. Uh, and a wee look at the St Mirren game at the weekend. But we'll start off, Christine, you you mentioned something. I meant to bring it up in the previous part of the show and I forgot all about it. The pitch invasion on, well, the sort of mini pitch invasion on Sunday after Morello scored the third goal. This is becoming a bit, uh, it's a bit embarrassing now, is it not? I don't want to say I'm embarrassed by Rangers fans. I'm not... It's not embarrassing. It's what it might do for the to the club. Um, it was. It's been fairly um, calm so far. Stewards have got them off the pitch quite quickly, etc. But it's where it could lead. Um, if it keeps continuing, it's you know Sunday yesterday wasn't a one-off. It was. You know, it's happened a few times this season. Um, Last-minute goals, you can understand it to a certain extent. But yesterday was a wee bit... Um, you know, I, I just wish they would stop it. You know, celebrate with the Bears uh, and let the players celebrate on their own. And there's no need to go and give them a cuddle or whatever. Um, it, that's my opinion anyway. John, surely, as Christine said, they're last minute. And that's kind of the majority. I mean, it's happened two or three times in the last year or two. I can remember it happened at Thistle. Uh, I'm trying to think where else it happened this season. I'm struggling to think off the top of my head. Was it not uh, St. Johnson? There are a few not come in the park at St. Johnson and Morello scored in the last minute. 
Yeah, I think they did. So that, yeah, so it's it's and it, and I'm not excusing it, but you know, in the context of the last minute, you know, you can understand if one or two, especially if the players run, you know, over to the support. Yeah, but yesterday the third goal and a three nothing win and Morelos, I don't even think he left the park really to celebrate. And before no, he, you know, it wasn't. 60. He did leave the park, calling, but um, it was his momentum that took him. Yeah off the park rather than him running to the park. It was his momentum, the way he was running, sh- you know, shot at goal and then he just continued. Yeah. But when, it, when it, it started his celebration, he turned and sort of run to that main stand on the other side. You know, he didn't run to the crowd directly behind the goal. So uh, it just seemed, I saw the first young boy coming on, I thought, right, okay, you know, but then more and more came on, I just thought, oh, you know what I mean? I, I don't get it. I just, I just think it, one that can lead to things as we, as we saw at Hamden, uh, you know, when Hibs won the Scottish Cup. And two, as you've pointed out, Chris, it kind of gives us a bad name. I think it, all I think it points out is that the three of us are all very old. Um, <laughs> and we look at it with disdain. Look at these young people. What are they doing? Um, I'm sure I saw one that didn't even look like he shaved, John. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's how young I, he was. I think... I, it's kind of it's kind of in fashion just now. You see it a wee bit in England. There was a funny one. Was it the weekend or two weekends ago? There was a a, a guy. I think it was Charlton, um, and and the same thing had happened. They scored a goal. A crowd of their fans had come on, and one of the fans came running up and he slipped and went right into the player. It's, right. it's, it's just like maybe last weekend, two weekends ago. It's, it's all fairly recent. It's quite funny, um, and he takes their own player right out, uh, and it could have been. That could have been could have been an experience. That could have been a fifteen million pound. Exactly. You know, so uh, you know, I agree with you. They shouldn't be doing it. Um, I, I agree with you that it doesn't look great for the club. It's the kind of thing that the club could get a fine for. Um, it certainly gives uh, it, it gives them ammunition. I think also. I think I also have to say, look, people have always invaded the park. So it was at a Scotland-England game, um, and I'll show you how long ago it was. I was at the schoolboys' enclosure, so there must have been the mid-80s, early-80s, mid-80s. And you know what? I can beat that, John. But what I was going to make was there was a a mini-pitch invasion, and it was the most exciting thing for a 15-year-old. And needless to say, large Glasgow policemen with batons approached, and everybody jumped back into the enclosure again. It never went anywhere. Um, But the, the concept of invading the pitch is something that's been there, and when it's young boys, I, I kind of look at the club, uh, and I'd say the club would be Livingston, and you think, okay, well, where's the stewards and where's the police? Um, if, there's, if, this is, if this is something that's starting to happen, then there probably needs to be better stewards and, and better policing. And I also think that as older fans and the club probably need to say, look, guys, you, stop, you have to stop doing this. Someone could get hurt. Um, you, you could hurt a player, uh, as, as we spoke about, that, that Charlton uh, thing. Uh, somebody could get hurt. One of you guys could get hurt. Plus, it, you know, it does it does annoy the opposition and you just never know where that might lead. Yeah. Um, so on the whole, it's a bad thing. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's just one of these things that happens. I, I have to say, I was on the park once at Ibrox in, uh, when Rangers won the league in 1987, soon as his first year. Yep. To now, we never, we never got a ticket for the game. Me and my dad were through. We never got a ticket for the game. But we hung about outside and when folks started to leave, we got in. You get in. And, yeah. uh, we got in and we sort of seen them going round with the, the league trophy and all the rest of it. 
And I always remember my dad saying, right, go on that park, right? <laughs> You've got to go in that park. <laughs> so I'm sneaking down and this steward's sort of standing there trying to stop me, right? And eventually I get on and I've got a wee bit of the turf and all the rest of it and we put it in the back garden. But the one thing I always remember, do you remember the big square goalposts at Ibrox? Yep. Big square things, right? I always thought they were wooden, right? <laughs> so I've ran up to slap it. Oh, then they took my horn off. <laughs> It's solid mail. It's like, it was like Jesus. And I always remember, I always remember slapping the big square goalposts. I miss the goalposts. I, I know that they've got to be standard now. They've got to, everybody's got to have the same. But I always quite like the fact that our goalposts were a wee bit different for everybody yeah. else. So As I said, we're all getting really old. Really old. Yeah. I enjoyed. It's, I enjoyed. Being on we the reminisce back. about goalposts <laughs> from the eighties. Well, I can. Wonder I can bet. I can bet that John. Going back to the seventies, I was at Wembley in nineteen seventy-seven. Oh. Were you in that? Was that you in the, the, the I top wasn't, of the goalpost? I wasn't on the pitch. My, I was with my dad and my sister, and um, we were good. We didn't go on the pitch, but you can imagine. Remember, 